Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 12 of the Gambling Couch Podcast. I am here joined by both members, both co-hosts of the Lovecast, Jordan Dyer and Max Belzik. Fellas, how are we doing? What's up? Doing well. Super excited. Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. We got some good stuff on the docket today for you guys. We're going to talk some U.S. Open. We have uh, a major this weekend hosted here in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is pretty damn close to us. So I know somebody that's there right now at the practice round, hopefully going to give me some insider information uh, on who's going to win. But, you know, we're going to give our predictions. We're going to give some guys we like. Obviously, you can't really just give one guy because these odds are, are insane. If you've ever been a golf tournament before, just to give you a frame of reference, Rory McIlroy is coming in as the favorite at plus 965. Mm. And that's the favorite. So if you guys have never been a golf tournament before, uh, now you kind of have an understanding of what it's like. It's fucking almost impossible, nearly impossible, because everybody's at plus a thousand odds or higher. I have five guys, or sorry, I have four guys that I really like that I think have a very good chance at winning this tournament. Uh, Jordan, how many do you have? Did you pick out a few guys? So I I picked um, my favorite, and then I have guys. Um, that I like for top tens. I, I, I have one guy that I think will win. Um, but yeah. Max, what about you? Okay. I picked like, I usually bet four ish kind of four ish players that I think could win. Cause the odds are so crazy. Like you said that if you put the correct amount of units on it, uh, one bet will just do you in fine. So yeah. I like to place a good amount of um, bets on there and just kind of scatter bit with guys that I really like. That's what I did with the masters. And I won a, some money do like I want enough to pay for everything that I did and right. then some. So, you know, it worked like that. So I do have a couple of guys of names that I am uh, placing money on. Why don't you give us one of your names to start, Max? Okay. So I know it would be tough for Rory to win it again, but he's got so much momentum. And I just like how much, how much, well, he, he's good under pressure is the main thing. And this course is extremely difficult. And I, I, it's going to get people. Um, in tough spots golfing wise, and they need to be able to keep their heads. And some guys, you know, when they shoot bad, they, they lose their shit and they can't, they can't bring their game back. And, uh, I just like Rory's approach to the game because he's so tactical and smart and he's been playing for so long that this is a course that he's going to have, I think an advantage to, because he's so tactical and smart and able to just break down the golf and not get too much into the emotion. So I do like him just with all the momentum he has as the favorite, I think it's worth putting money on because it's plus a thousand for sure. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. Uh, Rory just had a pretty solid tournament at the RBC Canadian open. He almost choked the shit out of it, by he the did, way. He did. And he didn't he, he really almost either. choked. He was, he hit a couple bombs uh, late in the day on Sunday, mm. but he was, he had a two stroke lead on Justin Thomas. And then, on um, like whole going into hole 15 or 16, but I think going into Almost 16, choked. Yeah. I think going into uh, 17, they, they were tied. And then Justin yeah. Thomas ended up falling off. So that's going to be my first guy that I'm going to bet on, by the way, is Justin Thomas. I think that he is playing as good of golf as anybody on this planet right now. You see him everywhere. He just won the PGA and he almost just won the RBC Canadian Open. So he's everywhere right now. He's hot. He's hitting the ball far. He's hitting the shots he wants to hit, which is huge for JT. Uh, he's so explosive that he can either he can put up a lot of birdies in a hurry. So I feel like he, I don't know. This is a tough course, and I think you know his his uh, you know his ability to to hit great shots is is can sometimes be punished because we, as we saw, I've seen a couple of clips where sometimes good shots can get fucking punished and go in the water. So 
I think he's going to be able to tear up this course. I just think that he's playing so well and he's hitting every shot he wants to hit that he can come into this and tear up a very, well, it's going to be a very, very difficult golf course in the country club. Yeah. I like, um, I don't mind either of those picks. I do want to talk about Rory for just a sec. So Rory is definitely my favorite golfer for those of you who don't know. Um, he, I love his game. He's just a great ball striker, unreal swing. The reason I'm not, going to bet on him is two reasons. First of all, he just won last week. And I know that doesn't sound like a bad thing, but it's hard enough to win one golf tournament winning, and two come back. winning two in a row is like, I, the, the odds of that just have to be mm, very ridiculous. low. And then the other or thing, hot. the other thing, I think um, this week, a lot of guys are going to be forced to scramble and get put in bad spots and Rory he's not bad he's not a bad scrambler but I'm looking at it right now he's 22nd on tour in scrambling I like other guys more in that aspect um so I'm not gonna bet on Rory even though he's my favorite and he's the favorite um the guy I like this week I think has the best value of anyone is John Rahm he is plus 1700 and he's not playing great right now, but you never see a guy as talented as Rom at plus 1700. That's unbelievable value in terms of betting. He's also the defending uh, U.S. Open champ. He's not like I said, he's not playing great right now, but he did win in early May. I think he's playing well enough. And I just think his game is very well suited for U.S. Opens. You can never count out Rambo. Uh, I mean, obviously, he dominated last year. He was the story last year, him and Cantlay. That was an unbelievable FedEx playoff, by the way. That was so fun to watch last year. Um, I like Rom. I like Rom a lot. He just hasn't playing, been playing phenomenally enough for me to bet on him like that. Another guy that I'm going to bet on is that shows up, that just seems to show up in every single major is Brooks Kepka. He's plus 4,122 to win this U.S. Open. And it always seems like Brooks is in the mix on a Sunday in a major. It doesn't, like, have any rhyme or reason. He just seems to show up. And I know that's pretty, pretty known you know, universally across the golf world that Brooks just kind of shows up. Although he just got married, he's coming off his honeymoon. He's probably still hungover from the honeymoon. So I don't know if that's going to factor into it. Maybe he's a little burnt. Um, you know, maybe this, maybe the sun's going to affect him. I don't know. I don't know. But I like Kepka to, you know, be in the hunt on a Sunday. I don't think there's any reason why he can't go into the weekend with a shot to win this thing. So, and up, oh my God, excuse me. And at plus 41 or 4,100 over 4,100, like, I just think that's way too much, uh, way too much. Well, the odds are way too high on that to not to not take Kepka. Yeah, um, the next guy I was grabbing, you got you already talked about him, Butsy. Um, Justin Thomas at he's the second favorite at plus one thousand one hundred odds. Um, I I I was grabbing him from all for all the reasons you were talking about, and I also like his ability to stay calm under pressure. I think he's going to do really well in that regard, especially like we said, this course is going to. Uh, throw, throw you for some loops and make some people shoot very low or high and uh, you need to be able to keep your head about you when you do that so I like I like Justin Thomas for that reason he's also just playing really really well playing he's one of the best coming into this and I know I agree with you Jordan that it would be um, pretty pretty crazy if Rory won two in a row so that's kind of tough but I do like the way he's playing as well but yeah so Justin Thomas is my next bet um, my next guy is not a huge name, but this is probably my, <clears throat> excuse me. It's probably my favorite bet for this week. Um, Shane Lowry is plus plus one twenty for top 20 
and he's plus 250 for top 10. I really like the plus 250 at top 10. I think that's um, great value. He is, I'm pulling up the stats right now. He's second on tour in scrambling. And like I said, I really think you're going to have to scramble to win a U.S. opener to place to play well. You're going to be in bad spots. And Lowry, that's what he does. Um, he handles the most difficult conditions all the time. Um, and then I heard the stats day. He scores the best on tour on holes that average over par. So he's basically the best at playing difficult holes. And to me, the U.S. Open is all difficult. Like th this is supposed to be the hardest possible tournament you can find. So I like Lowry um, because of that and because of his scrambling ability. I'm a huge fan of Sh uh, Shane Lowry. His game is so solid. He just always seems to have a chance of winning every tournament. Uh, remember in the Masters, he he had a pretty good tournament. He had a couple of really good days in the Masters. So I would not be shocked if he was in the hunt going into a Sunday. He's just such a solid golfer. Uh, he doesn't seem to make a lot of mistakes, right? He doesn't seem to, to um, you know, put himself in a really tough situation where it's kind of like bogey's best case scenario or, you know, he's scrambling for bogey or something like that. You know, he seems to, seems to always put up pars. And, you know, I think for him, it's just whether he's going to be able to score well. I don't think you're going to need to score insanely well. I mean, insanely low. Like, you're not going to need to – I don't know what the winning score is going to be for this tournament, but I could see it being around, like, something around eight to 10 under somewhere around yeah. there. Cause this, yeah, this course is fucking really difficult. So I think if Shane Lowry can get a couple of birdies on the board and hit, hit some tight approaches, because we all know he's great at scrambling, but you have to be able to make birdies too in order to win tournaments. So if he can hit some good approaches, there's no reason why Shane Lowry can't win this tournament. My next guy I'm going to bet on. And I feel like you have to bet on this guy every tournament this year is Scotty Scheffler at plus 1300, uh, Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, Scotty Scheffler do has dominated this year so far. He's dominated the, the early, early half of the season. He's the world number one. His golf ranking, you know, nobody's touching him in the FedEx Cup playoff standings or FedEx point standings, however that shit works. I, I just feel like you have to bet on him, right? I feel like if you don't bet on him and he wins, you're going to feel like an idiot because you're going to say, oh, of course, Scotty Scheffler is going to win. He's the best golfer on the planet. So he had one bad day in the RBC Canadian Open that, you know, didn't give him a chance to win. He shot, I think, one under par one of the days when that was just, just not going to get it done. But besides that, he had three pretty solid days. He was playing some pretty good golf. I could see him coming into this tournament looking to win another major this season. That would be unbelievable if he did that. Uh, there's nobody that, you know, I don't – I would never count Scotty out. I'm always confident that he can put up a very solid performance throughout the four days. And, uh, yeah, that's that's why I'm going with Scotty. Anybody else get any guys? Yeah, so I, I have a pick for someone to miss the cut, and uh, that's Cam Smith. I really like Cam Smith, and he's he played well in accuracy. It really hasn't been an issue for him, or not an issue, but it hasn't been an issue within the um, major tournaments. But this is, like we've all said and mentioned, this is going to be an extremely hard course, and you're going to need accuracy in this. And Cam Smith isn't exactly an accurate guy, and he has those very awkward swings where – I could see him having a tough time on this course, and I think I'm going to bet him to miss the cut. You know what the odds were for that, Max? Um, Probably got insane to... plus money because I actually had him winning. That was my really? final pick. That was my final guy to win at plus 1991. I'm a big fan of Cam Smith because I, he's a Dude, I like him too. He just seems to always be in the mix when you look on his leaderboard on a Friday or a Saturday. You always just see his name up there. Uh, he had a phenomenal – he had a phenomenal Masters – 
He's had a great couple of tournaments. He just hasn't been able to put up a win. I think Cam Smith, although I will say he's not great under pressure. He kind of folded back half of the Masters. He had a chance to compete with Scotty and then ended up getting blown out. I think it, I think he was only one shot back of Scotty or maybe even maybe even tied with him for a little bit early on. So, you know, not great under pressure, but it's definitely not a lack of skill with Cam Smith. It's just whether he's going to be able to dial it in uh, mentally and flip that switch and get uh, and just make some make birdies and not make mistakes. Um, I was watching the um, I forget what it was. Exa- it was something onion uh, like they had a YouTube video where they kind of just went through the course itself. And from what we I learned kind of from that is they were just talking about how big accuracy is, especially with this course and how little the greens are and how hard it is to see them. Um, and that's that's just where I think Cam Smith might get cut, you know, but if he's able to kind of rein it in and get more accurate and tighten his swing up a little bit, um, I could see him doing what you're yeah. saying, like winning or being successful. So I, I just think there's probably really good odds on betting it. And I don't know how much of a turnaround you can get in between um, each match. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not super smart with golf, but I'm not, I'm not sure you can fully change what you're doing, you know, that quickly. You know what I'm saying? Of course. But the, I mean, the thing about golf is it's like, you know, any given week, because we can yeah. see Cam Smith come out and hit every fairway or we could True. see, him, you know, shoot 10 over. So it's, it's so unpredictable, but. Is um, it one of those things that like, if the wind is going the right way, he could just be fucking like because I, I don't know anything about golf i'm just going off of what i've watched so far but um, um i mean the wind affects everyone yeah <clears throat> you know um i don't know specifically for cam smith but um let's see my next guy is uh sung jm he's plus 4100 i'm probably not going to touch that i might go plus 150 for the top 20 uh i just think he's playing really really well right now he's like a top 25 machine uh these last couple months and he's amazing around the greens uh every time i've watched him his short game has just blown me away he gets up and down from everywhere and you know same reason i i like lowry he's you have to scramble at at this tournament you have to be able to recover um and you know have touch around the greens. so i like him for uh plus 150 to get to hit the top 20 him is another guy who had a great run at the Masters. I think he was leading after day one, I believe. It was either day one or day two of the Masters he was leading. So, you know, Im is another one of those guys that needs to be able to play, put up a good performance for all four days, right? I could see him having a very solid beginning of the week or very solid back half of the week. It's just, to me, is he going to be able to put up a good performance all four days, right? Because you would see a lot of guys jump out to an early lead. I forget what, I think it was the PGA championship, actually. Rory jumped out and was five under on day one and then wasn't even close for the rest of the week. So it's going to be whether he can put together uh, four days of great golf. We all know he can he can do it. He did it in the Masters. Um, played solid for four days in the Masters. Could have played a little better and, and gotten the win, but nevertheless, he played well. So why don't we run down our guys again? I have to win. I have Scotty Scheffler at plus 13.25, JT at plus uh, 11.17, Kepka plus 41.22, Cameron Smith at plus 19.91, Jordan. Yeah, I have Rom to win at plus 1,700. I have Shane Lowry plus 250 for the top 10. I'll probably sprinkle him to win as well. Then I have Sungjae M plus 150 for the top 20. And I'm also 
I didn't get to this one. Uh, DJ's at plus 4,400. I just think that's way too high, and I'll just keep it short. It's it's just DJ. I just think that's too high, plus 4,400. It's too high because of all the shit to live, which we can yeah. get into whenever. But uh, I think it's I think they're kind of banking on the fact that he's going to be jet-lagged. He's not going to be in the right frame of mind. Everyone's talking about him. He knows that everyone's talking about him. So I think yeah. that's why it's so high. But, you know, again, talent-wise, DJ's fucking he – he's a Masters champion. Like, you know, you can't count that guy out. Um, I have Rory to win at plus a thousand and then Justin Thomas to win at plus 1100. I'm going to sprinkle two more in, but I usually wait till the day of like, I get up kind of early and read the news just as we get closer. Just, I don't know, just before I put my final two in, because I always, when I first started betting this, I used to put all these guys in right away. And then right towards, um, as we got closer, I would put in all these new guys that I saw that I liked. So I'm just trying to be a more mature man, you know, and wait it out a little bit. So I'm going to put, I'm going to wait to put two more on, but then for the winner. And then, um, I also have cam Smith to miss the cut. Um, I'm not sure what those odds are. Um, Let me look those up for you. I bet, I bet you're getting crazy plus money on that max because I mean, if he's 1991 to win, I think you can get some crazy, crazy plus. It was worth sprinkling on just because why not? You know? Yeah. But out of all the guys who missed the cut, I don't know why I, – I don't love Cam Smith to miss the cut. I think there's other guys that you can get great money on that could miss the cut that have a much more likely chance to. Plus 205 on my book. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty solid. I don't know if that's enough, though, for me to take yeah. it, honestly. Um, there's a lot of guys with a lot more value to miss the cut that are known to be very volatile golfers and have um, – you know, it can easily – could easily miss the cut. So we have, like – Guys like um, Max Homa plus one fifty nine. I kind of like that a lot to miss for him to miss the cut, right? What's Hovland been playing? Uh, Hovland to make the cut or Hovland to miss the cut is plus one ninety. Hmm. More like Coward to miss the cuts plus two hundred five. You know Zaltoris to make the uh, miss the cut is plus two hundred five. So there's I think there's a lot of good options out there. I just think it's hard because so many guys you can see like you can see everybody making the cut. That's the thing. And obviously a few of these guys aren't. And I think it's just obviously a matter of picking those few guys, but it, this is a, I mean, golf is such, such a difficult sport to, to bet on. That's fun. Also, I'm going to, I'm going to sprinkle fun. some money on Taylor Gooch because he has a great name. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't blame you for that. I mean, I think he's, he has insane odds to win. So if, if the Gooch man were to win, that would be pretty ridiculous. That would be Wait. pretty ridiculous. All right, everybody. Thank you so much uh, for listening to this segment. When we come back, we're going to go. We're going to quickly recap a miserable. What was a miserable game five? And then we're going to preview game six. Uh, we're going to preview game six spread totals, props, all that good shit. So, yeah, we'll be right back. Welcome back, guys. We are joined now by Andrew Feigenbaum. Uh, Max Belzik also decided to stay. So we appreciate you staying, Max, as always. But we're going to recap game five. I mean, what the fuck happened, fellas? We, I, I missed everything. I only hit one prop, and that was Jordan Poole's under 17 and a half PRAs. I went one and four. I had the C's. I had the over. I had Al having nine and a half points. He had nine. Kevon Looney fucking foul trouble. I mean, Fike, did you, did you make any coin in this game? What happened, man? Uh, I did not make much. I hit only one bet, and that was um, Jordan Poole over one and a half threes. Uh, of course, the one time I've taken Curry's point over, we didn't make yeah. a three, which was awesome. 
Uh, it hasn't happened in like over 250 games, so that, yeah, was, and that was great. The Celtics were horrific from the line, and obviously Curry not making any threes did not help the over, and the over was not that far off. So no, it really wasn't by the end of the game. It wasn't it wasn't far off at all. I mean, the Celtics don't come out and put up fucking what they score. I think they scored, I mean, a horrendous amount of points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and the first quarter as well. They finally won a third quarter, though. I will say the Celtics finally did win a third quarter, which was nice. Uh, we put up tw- we put up 16 points in the first quarter and then 20 points in the fourth quarter. That was abysmal. Uh, I mean, Max, what do you, what happened with Jalen Brown? I I don't know, and I think I think um, you know us not hitting our props. That was that, that was an uncharacteristically bad game. Like that was not that was. Steph Curry missing a fucking three or not hitting a three. Like you said, not hitting one, hit it one. Just those, those, that was ridiculous. That was just bad luck at that point for us. I think um, it was, uh, and, it was gross. Yeah. It was just nasty. How poor. Cause if we, if the game was on par with what's been going on, I mean, it's a little back and forth, but we definitely would have hit that over and it definitely would have made more sense. So it was just a strange game as for what went hap- went on with uh, Jalen Brown. I have absolutely no clue. He looked like he might, be doing something and then he just forgot how to dribble it looked like he couldn't dribble like there was at least there was one thing where it was like four straight possessions back and forth where i swear to god he either turned over the ball or dribbled off his foot and it was just awful i don't know what was going on with him it it was just tough to see i will say agreed 100 the warriors interior defense was a lot better last night i will say they stepped that up a lot um they made us hit shots and early on we didn't hit shots which put us in a hole early I'd say, you know, even if we hit 25% of those shots early on, it's a, it's a different game, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but it was it was gross from the start. Uh, so we're moving on to game six, putting that shitty-ass game in the rear view, right? Moving on. We have C's minus three and a half. Over-unders now at 210. Feig, this line, 210 once again. Like, what do you mean? I mean, we last time we thought it was too low, we got baited and taking the over under caches. I don't even. I can't see this this type of game happening again. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going to play the point total, but you know, I picked the Warriors in six originally before the series started, and I just think that game was a backbreaker for the Celtics, and I think they. That's tough. Not winning. Not winning a game when Curry doesn't make a three, dude. That's pretty brutal. Um, obviously, the Celtics did not play well, but I just think there's more than basketball right now. I think this is kind of Steph, a man on a mission this game. I'm going to go. I like his point. I don't know what his point total will be, but I will probably take it because I think. Probably hovering around 30 most likely. I would imagine, yeah, around 29 and a half, 30. But whatever it is, I'm taking that over because I think he's going to come out playing real well because I think he wants that finals MVP. He also does deserve it, but that's the only small little thing people can criticize him for and i think he's going to come out playing great yeah so his point total right now is set at 28 and a half and it's minus 121 so i will be taking that along with i am taking the warriors money line i like the money line play um i posted the celtics on the tiktok yesterday and somebody commented and it was a very good comment he commented that you know every team i think it was every finals um, every per, every team that's won a finals game has covered the spread, or every dog, uh, every dog that has covered the spread in the finals game has won outright. I think that was the stat. I think that stat is undefeated. 
And so I always, I like taking the money line. I just said that it's kind of force of habit to take the points because like, I don't want to get completely fucked. So, you know, it's all it takes is that one time, that one statistic where you don't hit, uh, where that doesn't happen, that you lose money. But I mean, 28 point, 28 and a half for Steph Curry. I mean, that's just too low, right? I think that is just way too low right now uh, for a guy playing as well as he is. I know he had an off game, but I don't think that says anything about what next game is going to bring. And I think the total I mean, should be you, at 29 sorry, or at least 30. What, he had 20 still with what, not making a three, something like that? Didn't hit a single three and he still had 20. So, I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous that the props at 28 and a half. I bet that moves to 29 and a half by game time. So if you're seeing this, this is going to come out on Wednesday. The game's on Thursday. I would jump on that early. I think that's a, I think that's a line that's, that's incorrect early on and something that we should take advantage of. Max, do you have a play on the total? I know we were, we were both pretty big on the over last time and we got, we got played by Vegas. So what do you, what do you think it's a, uh, for Thursday night? So before we, get into that i just want to say 100 percent agree with fag i the celtics are losing this game and if they don't lose this game they're losing game seven because this team cannot score consistently enough they can't win two games in a row they can barely win one game in a row with their offensive output right now that's something that's going to need to be addressed in the offseason and this was i know i was saying this in the group chat we squandered an opportunity here um this this was going to be the Think of how difficult this path was. This was still going to be the lightest path to the NBA or to the finals for us. That's good. Next year, you're going to have Chris Middleton on this Bucks team. We, we completely squandered an opportunity and it's unfortunate because it's not really, I know that you, that it's technically on Tatum and Brown and all that, but I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast the other day and they were talking about uh, stars at Tatum's age, what they were doing. Steph Curry, when he was 24, it was 2012, and they were deciding whether or not to trade him for Monte Ellis or trade him or Monte Ellis. He hadn't done anything yet. Uh, LeBron Monte at was tough. Monte Ellis was tough back no, in the day. No, Steph. Steph. No, I know. I love Monte Ellis. Monte Steph, Ellis Steph hadn't done anything yet. They yeah. chose Steph, Steph to be the leader. Like, I don't yeah. know if you know that story really well, but Mark Jackson yeah. shot down a trade of Steph Curry and saying, like, I'm giving you the keys. I want yeah. you to be the guy. But they were there in 20, around 2012 is when that yeah. conversation was happening. So they weren't sure yet. He wasn't, he still hadn't been to a finals. He hadn't done anything yet. He was not Steph Curry as we know him now by any means. So Tatum's still young. This core is still young. Ime Odoka is in his first season as our coach. So although I don't think we are going to win the finals and I think we squandered a trip, we do have potential to grow, but we're going to have to get a lot better in order to go back to the finals. As in terms of the point total, I don't fucking know. I'm not betting it. I don't even want to bet. I like hardly want to bet this game. If anything, I'm just going to take some Warriors props um, to because I know that I, I feel like the Warriors are going to win. Um, the only I definitely want to say that kind of looking at this, looking at this finals, <clears throat> this Celtics team had a lot of similarities to that Bucks team that won last year. They caught a couple breaks with, you know, the Nets getting all banged up. They played a pretty compromised Hawks team that really wasn't even that great. Nope. Um, but the Celtics and Bucks both played a very similar way. Flawed teams, but they were very physical on defense. They made it really hard to score. And you got to look at the East, and it's only going to like get stronger. You, you would assume the Nets are maybe like somewhat better. I mean, that was a disaster. The Bucks obviously are going to have Middleton back. 
you know, Miami uh, could trade for Donovan Mitchell. You never know. My be- Miami's got a lot of flexibility. And then, yeah. so that's, that's one thing to look at. And another thing too is Tatum hasn't played well. Like in, I think a lot of times when you see some of these finals outcomes, the team that wins sometimes tends to have the best player on their yeah. team. And Steph Curry's the best player. Tatum's getting outplayed. And this is my thing with like Tatum. It's like, I think Tatum, like he can make every shot. He can make every pass. Great, great two-way player. Obviously, you know, it's a wing league, but like you got to put it together. You got to play like it's, there's, there comes a point in time where like, you know, talent's cool and all, but like you got to do it. And he just yeah. has it. Yeah, I think but there's I, still time. There's still time. He needs. Well, I, know, no Max, I know Max, but we're we're talking about right now. Fike's just talking about the current moment, and I no, think no, it's. I, think yeah. it's, I like I like Fike that you brought up the the Celtics Bucks comparison because the only difference between the Celtics and the Bucks of last year, oh, was that last year? Was that yeah, last year? No, yeah, it was last year. Yeah, is they have the better? Is they have the best player in the finals? They had Giannis. They had the two time MVP. Oh, yeah. They had the best player, and that's why they won the finals. Right? That's why they won. We, you know, like you said. Tim can do everything on the basketball court. It's just something mentally that needs to just turn over to be like, all right, fuck it. I'm not fucking running the set. Just give me the fucking ball and I'm going to put up 45. He did it against the Bucs in a in a huge game six, right? He did it against the Bucs. He's proven that he can do it. It's just like, where is he now? And I think this is so much on Ime too, if we're talking about our offense. It's like very largely in part uh, to how we're playing offense, right? Or to how badly our offense is. We just look like we're an AAU team, right? We just look to get a switch and then go switch and go switch and go. When we run sets, we get good looks and we've been hitting shots off of sets, you know, 12 seconds, 14 seconds, 16 seconds into the shot clock. But we get, when we get a switch right away and we go their their defense is too good in the paint. Now they made the adjustment. They're, they're protecting the paint a lot better. So it's just like, we have to make an adjustment and Ime hasn't didn't make an adjustment all night last night. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does coming into game six, because if we don't make an, a single adjustment, we're going to get absolutely embarrassed on our home floor in the finals. Embarrassed. No there, question. There, there were some brief moments last game that Tatum did show that dog mentality where he went and got himself a shot and he went and he drove to the paint. And it's not like he played horrible. He had 27 points. He facilitated well. We're just not seeing the final form yet. And that's okay. It, this finals was early, but he had 10 rebounds, four assists, um, and 27 points. I mean, he could have done better facilitating, obviously, and he could have um, hunted his shot better. But there were moments where he was pushing as hard as he could and, you know, driving and was like, and went and was like, go, I need to go get a basket right now, especially in the third quarter. I'm not sure why we stopped posting up pool with smart. That was, Go, that worked for us for like two straight possessions and then we just quit doing that. So I'm not sure what was going on there, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is going to be a tough series to get back in. Just the last thing I'll say too, is just regarding like the Giannis comparison, how he was the best player. Um, last year, I will say that, you know, going into those playoffs, there was always that talk can Giannis win. Will this style be able to win? And Giannis ended up setting himself to be the best player after he won that finals. Tatum has not obviously done that. So that's why he's down three, two at home. So, you know, he can, he can change a lot of what people think by how he can play these next two games. If it gets two more games, but 
Um, I will say uh, the game, what was it? Last time was game five. Game five was probably his best game he's played because the other four games, he had, he had not been shooting the rock well. No, not at all. And I think it was his best complete performance, right? He shot very efficiently. 50%. He had a few too, he had a few too many turnovers, but like we just said, he shot the ball well. He got 10 boards. He facilitated well. I also think the lack of role players stepping up has been a huge detriment to us this series. Where the fuck is Grant? Can yeah. Pritchard find the bottom of the rim? I mean, Derek White. not getting bad. Derek White, nowhere offensively now. You know, we're not getting bad looks. These guys aren't getting bad looks. They're just not hitting it. And if we're not going to be gamers against this Warriors team, you know, they're not like we can't we can only hold them for so long. Right. And we held them last night pretty damn well. Curry didn't hit a single shot. Our defense was much better on Curry last night. And granted, he should have hit a couple, obviously, because he's Steph. But still, a lot of the shots he were he was taking were very difficult and very contested and and shots that we want him taking. Right. So. It just we needed to we needed to have a much stronger team performance in game five. And we just came out and threw up an absolute dud. Uh, whether you want to contribute that to role players not showing up, Emay's bad offensive game plan, uh, the Warriors playing much better interior defense. I will say out of all of the games this playoffs, though, this is probably one of the first, if not the first game that I can say that we got beat. I think we got beat last night. We didn't really give this game away. Right. I think I think obviously we didn't help ourselves out in any, in in any way at all with the free throws and the turnovers, but they beat us up last night. They played our brand of basketball. They kicked our asses physically. And I don't think we were ready for that. And I, you know, I think we just went into our shells and said, all right, let's just try to hit from the three point line. That didn't work early. Then we finally hit some shots. Then we started attacking again and we got nothing to go. So I, I don't know, man. It's going to be a tough game six. I wouldn't be surprised with either result, honestly, realistically. I probably won't even play the game. I might just watch it as a fan and, and pray that we can pull out a win because we're going to need to if we want a chance. And obviously, I'm going to back my season until the, the day they go down, which could be Thursday, could be Sunday, could not be at all. We could win it. But realistically, it's just, it doesn't look great for the seas. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, this, maybe us talking about all of this lights a complete fire under their asses. And uh, the role players step up and everyone wakes the fuck up, which would be amazing. But Max, as always, thank you for coming on, my friend. Uh, We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, Feig and I are going to give out some MLB plays for Wednesday, June 15th. Feig, our MLB expert analyst, has his locks for us. So we'll be right back with that. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to give out some MLB plays, Feig. MLB expert analysts, MLB expert better. Why don't you give us your first play? First play of the day, I'm going Mets, even odds. David Peterson's on the mound against Corbin Burns. Brewers can't hit lefties. They just went up against Patrick Corbin, one of the worst lefties in the league, and they got the shit kicked out of them. They lost like 9-1, 8-1 just on Saturday. Um, so I'm going or, or either Friday or Saturday, but I'm going with – Mets money line, you know, this line is also a little fishy with Corbin Burns on the mound. They're only minus 120. The Mets have handled pretty good pitching all year. They put the ball in play. They're going to do their thing. Yeah, they they very, they they put the ball in play better than any MLB, MLB team. Uh, they just put the ball in play and, and, you know, make the other team have to, like, make great plays, and they oftentimes make mistakes, which ends up in Mets getting a lot of runs. My – play for tomorrow is going to be the Yankees minus 140 against the Rays at home. Sick pitching matchup. Cortez versus McClanahan. 
I just am a big fan of Nestor Cortez. He's made me a lot of coin this year. He's five and two with a one nine six. Obviously, McClanahan seven and two, one eight seven. It's just Nestor Cortez just got fucking completely shelled against the Twins. I had that under, which ended up pushing, thankfully. But he think he gave up five runs against the Twins in Minnesota. So I think he has a big bounce back start uh, against a race team who, you know, divisional opponent. The, they're going to see a lot of them, but I'm confident that Cortez can put up a great uh, performance, and I'm confident that the Yankees bats. I think the Yankees are full strength. I'm pretty sure they're they're 100 healthy, so I think they're they're good enough to put up probably four or five runs, and I think that's going to get it done tomorrow. Like that pick. What do you got? I've also got. I'm going Marlins plus 115. Pablo Lopez on the mound. Um, you know, Cy Young candidate. Um, cooled off a little bit, but I think the Phillies are due for a little aggression. And, you know, sometimes when that little aggression happens is when you go up against good pitching, you know, um, Kyle Gibson is, he's been beat up a little bit, but I just still really don't believe in this Phillies team. You know, they, they weren't as bad as they were playing, but it's still the same team that can't play defense. It's still the same team that doesn't have good bullpen. I don't like, I like fading teams with bad defenses and bad bullpens. It just, those teams just tend to lose a lot of games and you'll end up making a lot of money. I'm getting plus odds with a better pitcher. I'll take for that. sure. For sure. The only, the only worry when you bet the Marlins is of course they're bad at their batting. Yeah. What do you think about their bats? I mean, they got, they have a couple studs, right? They have a few guys that can really hit Wendell's out right now, which obviously doesn't help them, but what do you, you know, what do you see in the Marlins bats? You know, I think that they will be able to generate enough, um, you know, I still like, you know, there's a couple guys I like and they haven't gotten going. Uh, Soler, he's, he had a bomb the other day. Uh, obviously, Jazz has been really, really good. You know, they've, got, they've still got professional guys back there, but I think they'll be able to generate enough runs in this game to keep them close to win. I, I agree. I'm going to go for my second and final play. I'm going to go over nine and a half in the Orioles-Blue Jays. I think this game is just going to be completely sloppy. I think both pitchers aren't great. Barrios, not amazing. Zimmerman, obviously, for the Orioles, uh, not great either. Two and five with a five-five-two. So I could really just see this game getting very sloppy. The Blue Jays bats have been have been pretty hot. I've been on their over against the Tigers the other day, I believe, and they put up 10 runs by themselves. So they're they're hitting the ball well, and I could see them hitting around this shitty pitcher on the Orioles. And the Orioles just find a way to put up runs. They're really not that terrible this year. They've been pretty solid. Their bats have been pretty good. Uh, you see them in a lot of high-scoring games against teams. They've just played the the Royals the other day, I believe, and it was like fucking uh, – it was a really high-scoring game, 10-7. to 7. They end up winning 10-7. to 7. So, you know, they – you always see the Orioles in high-scoring games, and, and I don't think, you know, tomorrow is going to be any different. I think the Blue Jays obviously spank them, but I think the Royals can get to four, three, four runs, and I think that's going to be enough to, to cash the over. Actually, I see the over at nine now. Perfect. I like that even better. Um, it's at nine. So we're going to take that over nine runs. You obviously have the cushion if it gets down with the push, which is in the MLB. It's pretty nice to have that cushion flag. It's, it's, it's helped me a lot. Having you talking about that, that, um, at an even number. Yeah. Right. It's compared to like a half number and you know, it's, it's much more valuable in the MLB compared to like the NBA or the NFL where Mm -hmm. getting to those numbers isn't really, you know, as common, but you know, nine runs, Having it flat is huge. So I'm going to go over nine. Obviously, I have that cushion. And then my first play I gave out was the uh, Yankees minus 140. So those are my two. Fig, your two. Quick summary. 
Yeah, I'm going. I'm gonna go Mets money line uh, plus one hundred, and then I'm going or even odds. Then I'm going Marlins plus one fifteen. And you know, you highlighting that Orioles Blue Jays game. You know, we filmed this. It's right now six twenty four on Tuesday, so we don't know what's happening in that the game that's going to go on today. But if the Blue Jays do win it, I'd be interested to possibly sprinkle a little Orioles money line. Um, I'm not a big fan of Barrios and plus two hundred. Not either. Plus 200, right, and and that would be for the sweep, correct? Yeah, like, uh, I, the Orioles aren't that the Orioles aren't that bad. Where the the Blue Jays are meriting minus 250, their hitting hasn't been like amazing this year. But you know, I could see this being a little bit closer than what the line is giving. I agree, completely agree with that. Uh, Orioles just have found ways to win games that they shouldn't this year. They've just found a way to scrap out wins by putting up some runs. So. Those are the MLB plays for tomorrow. Make sure to follow the Twitter at GamblingCouch1, I believe, is the Twitter handle. Uh, I'm going to be posting any last-minute ads that, you know, either Feig or I have. So make sure to follow the Twitter, follow the socials, follow the TikTok. We'll be, we'll be giving out a play there, hopefully different than this one or than the ones we gave out. And then, obviously, any late-minute ads go up on the Twitter. So that is it for today's podcast. We covered the U.S. Open, which I am – So fucking excited for that's going to be so fun to watch. We covered game six, recapped game five quickly. Uh, We'll be good. We'll be giving out a lot more plays on the Twitter uh, when it relates to props. When the time comes a little closer, obviously lines are out, but not finalized. So I think there's obviously like the Curry line. I think that's a complete miss line or bad line. So take advantage of that while it's out. And then a few hopefully will will go in our favor. So we'll be rolling those out on the Twitter. So make sure to be active on the Twitter following us gambling couch one uh yeah that's it fight got any words no just make sure to follow the twitter you know it's really hard to give out a full card for a wednesday when you know the slate hasn't even kicked off for tuesday especially for basically exactly. you know so just make sure to follow the twitter yeah because we're going to give out a lot of plays and hopefully a lot of winners so with that being said thank you guys so much for listening uh make sure to follow download share with a friend all that good shit uh, tail our picks, make some money, promote it any way you can. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, take care, guys. Peace.